Hi, and welcome to a new episode of Pasha. My name is Nondobe Gomjali. Thank you for joining us. Today, we discuss malaria risk zones and public understanding of this. In South Africa, malaria is mainly transmitted along the border areas. Close to 5 million people are at risk of contracting the disease in the country. Malaria transmission in South Africa is seasonal, with cases starting to rise in October, peaking in January and February, and then waning towards May. Joining us for today's episode is Professor Jennifer Fitchett, an Associate Professor of Physical Geography at the University of the Verbatisrand in South Africa. She starts by discussing how climate change is increasing malaria risk zones and malaria transmission. Malaria is a vector-borne disease transmitted by the Anopheles mosquito. And the area in which malaria risk zones are constrained to, so the area where we would expect to have a heightened risk of contracting malaria, and the area in which we should be taking precautions around malaria, is very much constrained around climatological factors. So we're looking at regions that have very high temperatures coupled with high humidity, and that allows the ideal breeding ground for these Anopheles mosquitoes and for then the transmission of malaria in those zones. So traditionally in areas such as Mozambique, the very northern and northeastern regions of South Africa would be considered to be malaria risk zones. And over the past century, these zones have gradually started to move, particularly over the past decade. And so we've seen in recent years a remapping of the malaria risk zones by the Department of Health and that these new maps are extending over a larger geographical area and extending slightly further south and slightly further west than the originally designated risk zones were. And that's because there are an increasing number of incidents of malaria in these areas that are sitting either on the border of the previous zone or just outside of this. Your research found that people were generally not aware of malaria risk zones. Why is this? So in the context of these recent uh, changes to the malaria risk map from the Department of Health, we're interested to see whether or not the public are aware of broadly where the malaria risk zone lies, whether they are aware of the recent changes in the area that's designated as a malaria risk zone, and where they would understand the future of the malaria risk zone to be under climate change. And so to to explore this, we asked members of the public to draw onto a map where they understand the malaria risk zones to be. And what we found is that many people weren't really as sure of the malaria risk zones as they perceived themselves to be, or indeed as we as a researcher would have expected them to be. So while people had a broad idea that malaria is located to the northeastern areas of, of South Africa and Southern Africa, Many of them drew an area that was much larger than the contemporary malaria risk zone, and many of their maps included lines that extended much further south and much further west than the current malaria risk zone or indeed any projections of the malaria risk zone. So in essence, people are over-amplifying the area of malaria risk, um, and they're showing that they are concerned about malaria prevalence in a much broader area of South Africa. Overall, what are your impressions on public awareness in malaria? So it's interesting because the public awareness suggests that people have a broad idea of the pattern of malaria risk zones, but that they are over-amplifying where those risk zones lie. However, that doesn't align with their behavior. So although people expect that the malaria risk zone might extend as far south as Gauteng or even Lesotho, Many of these same people indicate that they take very few precautions towards preventing the contraction of malaria. So very few of the respondents that we interviewed were um, 
using any form of medical or non-medical prophylaxis. They weren't taking precautions such as traveling outside of the rainy season. They weren't taking precautions such as wearing longer sleeved clothing or longer trousers. And so there was a strange disjunct that became apparent in this research between people who are in, on the one hand, over-exaggerating the area of malaria risk geographically, but on the other hand, not taking any precautions when visiting these areas, um, both those that they perceive to be malaria risk zones that are not yet, and areas that have been classified as malaria risk zones for quite some time now. A big part of the problem is that people are taking advice from friends and family and not official sources. Why is this and what can be done about it? So this was also an interesting outcome of our study, was that a lot of people are relying very heavily on all sorts of informal sources. And this is interesting because the malaria risk map that we're comparing to is the official map from the Department of Health. And that map is put up quite widely in pharmacies, in clinics, in doctors' practices, in hospitals across the country. And it seems that a lot of people are not engaging with that type of information, then certainly not committing those maps to their visual memory. And instead, what they are deciding um, on in terms of their malaria precautionary practices is based on people who visited a malaria zone recently and based on whether or not they had contracted malaria. And of course, that's problematic because that doesn't speak to risk. The single accounts of one or two people and their experiences and how they managed to, in their, in their understanding, evade risk doesn't mean that there is a statistical lack of risk or a lower probability of contracting malaria. And so in terms of the sources of information, we really need to start trying to communicate more effectively, one, where these risk zones lie. And that might be through trying to extend through other channels such as social media, perhaps, rather than just uh, putting posters up where in, in a space where there might be a lot of posters with a lot of information that people perhaps don't have the chance to read. So perhaps campaigns via social media um, and via some of the youth-driven uh, organizations. But on the other hand, it's also trying to communicate the issues of risk effectively to people. And I think the same types of um, concerns have come up during COVID-19 in around conversations about mask wearing, for example, that people perceive risk and they perceive the chance of contracting a disease based on what they hear from friends and family. And we've seen in recent months when we've gone into our second wave of COVID-19, how one-on-one -on -one and, and first-line contacts with people who have contracted disease often do start to shape people's own behaviours. What must be done to make people more aware of malaria risks? So I think part of that is making sure that we are understanding why people are not aware of malaria risk and understanding where their understandings lie. The second would be communicating information in a way that is accessible to people. So through a number of different channels, but also through a number of different mediums. Perhaps an image or a map is not really the most accessible form of information to many people. For some, it may be a list of towns. For others, it may be a warning within a particular area that you're now entering into a malaria risk zone. It might be information through travel agents. But we need to diversify the way in which we're communicating malaria risk. And we need to constantly evaluate where the public are at in their understanding of malaria risk so that we know where we have gaps and shortfalls and we can address those effectively. Effects of communication about malaria areas and treatments are crucial in helping people when going into malaria risk areas. Thanks for tuning into this episode of Pasha, produced by Yozair Patel. From me, Nandobe Gumjali, it's bye for now.